Is Star Trek Strange New Worlds the best live action Star Trek on TV right now? Hello, my name is Charlie. I'm a non-binary sci-fi fantasy writer, and I would like to talk to you today about Star Trek Strange New Worlds over on Paramount+. And I know it's not strange that I'd want to talk to you about Star Trek, and I'm going to try to not make a bunch of strange statements because the very fact that they named the show Strange New Worlds makes me want to say the word strange a lot. And it makes me want to say it exactly like that. I want to say strange, even though I don't know why. <laughs> I really don't know why. As you all know, I am a huge fan of Star Trek. I watch Star Trek every day and have for the vast majority of my life. I've gone to Star Trek conventions. I am a member of a Star Trek fan association. I've written Star Trek fan fiction. I've done all the things. And I was really heartbroken at the current era of live action star trek as you all may know i am not the biggest fan of the jj abrams movies they're fine the biggest problem that i have with them is that they're not star trek movies they are knockoff star wars movies with star trek characters in them and it feels quite strange none of the characters are quite right none of the characters really are the characters that they're named as and I'm not saying that because they're new actors. That's not the problem. It's just, they seem to not understand the characters. It's like watching a story about Greek gods and having Dionysus be the sober one in the business suit who is against partying. That doesn't really make sense. What is it about Strange New Worlds that makes it work so well? One, it's definitely the cast. It's definitely the cast. And I could go in and talk about Anson Mount and... Ethan Peck and Rebecca Romain on down the cast at how good they are and how well they are suited for the roles that they're playing. But that doesn't actually answer the question because the three actors that I named also appear as the same characters in Star Trek Discovery, which you may or may not know is a show that I, like a lot of Star Trek fans, have issues with. It's not my least favorite Star Trek show that will probably hopefully forever be Star Trek Picard, which makes absolutely no sense in any possible way. It is the weirdest fan fiction I have ever seen with the largest budget that has ever been put into a fanfic project. And it seems to be a series that not even the people behind the scenes at Star Trek take seriously. In fact, they, uh, put out a video recently about the history of the eugenics wars because one of our characters on Strange New Worlds is related to Khan Noonien Sung and they very clearly say that the events of the war took place in the 90s which is canon that's the way it's always been though Star Trek Picard very heavily hints at the fact that it hasn't happened yet and that series took place in I believe 2022 or 2023 okay we're just ignoring Picard, which I'm fine with. I'm absolutely fine with it. If it wasn't for the fact that Seven of Nine and Raffi are really good characters stuck in this show, 
with a bunch of nonsense, I would really not care at all about what's going on over there. But no, the thing that makes Strange New Worlds work as well as it does is that it remembers that Star Trek is optimistic. It shouldn't be such a surprise. It shouldn't be something that is just awe-inspiring that a showrunner for the Star Trek franchise would eventually remember that, oh yeah, we're supposed to be optimistic. Yeah, we're supposed to have a more or less positive view of the future and, and evaluate ways or philosophies that might help us get to a more idealized future. That is the core of what Star Trek is. In fact, the original cast for the original show was very carefully chosen so that there would literally be one of everybody. There was a Japanese helmsman. There was a Vulcan science officer to show that we would be able to even work with aliens when we eventually meet them. Uhura was from Africa. And the most shocking character, I think, on the entire show being Chekhov, who was Russian at the height of the Cold War. But the whole premise of the original series was that people can get along, that people can come together. And it's our diversity that makes us stronger, that it's coming together with multiple voices from multiple angles and multiple life experiences that gives us the strength to do the things that we want to do, that we need to do, that we desire to do. And then we have the J.J. Abrams movies that are just, they're just action adventure fluff movies. And that's fine. I'm not saying that there's not a place for that in Star Trek. The other thing Star Trek was known as was Wagon Train in Space which is why I don't complain about them at the volume that I do about Discovery and Picard, but they are missing a lot of the elements that make Star Trek feel like itself. And both Discovery and Picard are just pessimistic views of the future. They are shows that have forgotten how to dream. They're shows that have forgotten how to have hope or inspire hope or be hopeful at all. Their characters, for the most part, are mired in this ennui that just can't be beaten. I say that. It, it looks like Discovery is trying to turn and course correct and become better about this. And all I can say is I'm happy that we're only getting one more season of Star Trek Picard. Because I don't think that there's a way for that show to dig itself out of the hole that it's dug itself into. The show makes, I, I know I say it a lot, but the show makes no sense. And the fact that it decided to make its second season irrelevant by having it be a time travel story that if they are successful at the end will completely undo everything so nothing really mattered. I feel that was a response to season one that did not make sense at all because the Romulans knew the data existed the whole time and yet never did anything about it even though they definitely would have if any of the things that are said in Star Trek Picard were true. Not to mention Mud's robots from the original series and just on and on. There's so many places that you can go that make the first season make no sense. And the first season also just 
mired itself in so much unnecessary suffering. Yes, yes, your lovebirds got together from TNG, but of course they, one, lost a child and named their other child after the sister that Deanna Troy didn't know that she had until her mother almost had a mental breakdown because the memory got reawakened in her, which caused so much psychic trauma. She almost died because it was such a traumatic experience. But they're married. And I don't think that the thing that makes Star Trek Strange New Worlds work as well as it does, I don't think it has anything to do with the fact that they've gone back to an episodic format. I think you can tell Star Trek stories in a way that are serialized. You can see this starting to happen in shows like Deep Space Nine and in Voyager, and especially in Star Trek Enterprise. This is a franchise that you can tell these prolonged stories that take place over multi-episode arcs and not just the infamous two-parters. But the topics that have been picked, the way that they've been handled, has in many ways added up to a show that, one, defied my initial expectations of it, and actually does ask those important questions of how can we get along? Should we get along? How do we do this? Is it perfect in its answers? No, it's, it's a fictional TV series made in the 2020s by flawed human beings, and it will never be perfect because that is the nature of all art. But the fact that it is willing to not only engage in the questions that it's asking about political division and bettering the species and all of these things, in a way that is honest and feels integral to the story. So I'm going to try not to do too many spoilers for the series because I really think that people should watch it. But for anybody who's familiar with the character, even though that they have altered her name and some of the bits about her, there's one spoiler that I do have to give, and that's from episode three. When we learn that Una Chin Riley, played by Rebecca Romain, is not only Ilarian, which is something that was true in the beta canon. That was something that was already a part of Star Trek lore. They just brought that into canon but that she was genetically enhanced and that she was an augment as a result of this. It felt like it made sense with her character. All the way back to the way that she was originally played by Majel Barrett in the original series through to what we get in this show, it really felt like this is her. You always got a sense with number one that she was hiding something, that there was something that she was keeping very close to the vest, that there was something that she just wasn't saying out loud, that there was so much more to her than what appeared at face value. And learning this about her, and not only how she felt shame about it, how she has covered it up so that she could be a part of Starfleet, well, yes, it made me think about Bashir from Deep Space Nine, which is my favorite of the Star Trek series, but it made you understand her in a way that made her work better. It came out of her character that, isn't it amazing that the genetic augmentation that she has allows her to save the crew? That it allows her to be of service to others. And that is more than anything else the way I think about number one's character. 
She was always there. She was always supportive. She was always the one who was the first to help. She was also very logical. In fact, in the original pilot, I would dare say she was more logical than Spock was. And it's interesting seeing them play around with this, both in the short trek that they did with her and Ethan Peck's Spock, and kind of a little bit on the show. But it makes sense for her character. It's not a random thing that is added to her. Why is she always so reserved? Why is she always so careful about how she comports herself? In the original pilot, this was more than likely the case because she was a woman and in the 1960s selling the idea of a woman being in a position of power like that was not an easy thing to do. In fact, it was a literally impossible thing to do because she was one of the elements that they had to change when they went to the second pilot for the series because the network did not believe that anyone would buy a woman in a position of power like that. So having her have this kind of defensive edge makes sense, especially in the setting that the show was originally made in. It doesn't so much today, where we are used to the concept of things like female CEOs and people in leadership. We have seen female prime ministers around the world. So the idea of a woman in a position of power does not strike us as odd in the way that at least television executives in the 1960s felt that it would. So by giving that portrayal that was so wonderfully done by Majel Barrett a new meaning and a new purpose, it helps us to understand her in a new way. Also, I do love the homage to Majel that we get both of her characters appearing in this series. And I also love the new Christine Chapel, and I'm hoping to see a lot more of her as well. But that's a side note that I couldn't help but throw in just a little bit about. But between what's going on with her, what's going on with Spock, what's going on with Uhura, who finally has a backstory, it is wonderful to see her come alive in this wonderful way, played by an extraordinary non-binary actor, Celia Rose Gooding. And the first thing that I said when I saw her, I, I turned to my husband and I said, she better be able to sing because one, Nichelle Nichols is a phenomenal singer in her own right, but because this is something that was made integral to Uhura's character. So I love that in her spotlight episode that we get this season, she communicates with an alien species with song. And that's beautiful. Again, born out of her character and giving her more backstory and more of an understanding of who she is. It fleshes her out more as a living, breathing human character. We get to learn about her family and where she came from and how she ended up in Starfleet and how they mirrored Nichelle Nichols' own concerns about being on Star Trek into the character of Uhura, who doesn't know if she's there for the right reasons or if maybe somebody who wants it more should be there in her place. That is a beautiful homage to the actor, to the character that gets added into the show and brings it to life in a way that just warms my heart and makes me feel so happy that this show exists. The thing that surprises me most about Strange New Worlds is that it talks about the thing that they're not supposed to talk about, and I don't know any other way to put it than that, 
in a way to deal with people who had issues with Star Trek Discovery, there is this odd dramatic sequence at the end of, I think it was season three. I want to say season three, it may have been season two. I get lost on the season numbers for that show because I don't rewatch it all that much. Where we see all of our characters that would end up being in Star Trek Strange New Worlds raising their hand and swearing on the Federation that they will never ever speak of any of the things that happened in Star Trek Discovery ever again. That it is super secret and locked away and no one's ever going to talk about it again. We're never going to talk about it again. No, we're not going to talk about it again until, of course, the new season starts. And hi, here we are. We're going to talk about it because how do you not bring up the fact that Christopher Pike saw how he's going to die? And of course, yeah, they're going to break the order and tell people that weren't there that didn't have any knowledge of the events uh, about the events because, oh, wouldn't they have ramifications on the galaxy and have caused a big problem? I don't know how much they intended that to be an apology for the earlier seasons of Star Trek Discovery. It did very much read as an apology for Discovery, but it was handled well and I, I'm hoping that they get past it soon. Not because I don't think that it's an interesting thing for Christopher Pike to be dealing with. It's just I don't want that to be the only thing we learn about his character is that he knows how he's going to die and he is trying to learn how to cope with that. It, it's a one note that they've given him and I'm hoping that he gets to do more and be more than just that. But only time will tell. And also, I'm not really going to address all of the bigotry that has been exposed in the fandom over a character that only ever existed in the animated series being changed from a white man to a black man. Because one, these are the same people that complained about them having a holodeck on Discovery, even though they had holodecks on the Enterprise in the animated series. I, I, I don't know what to do with y'all. You can't argue for the canonicity of the animated series for one thing and not for the other. And I just, I think that the animated series is like legends for Star Wars. If there's something in there they want to pull out and bring forward, they're going to do it in some way. But it doesn't mean that it's going to happen exactly the way that it happened on the animated series or that things are going to be exactly the way that they were on the animated series. So there's that. It just goes to show, if that is your problem with this series, that they turned a character that you probably didn't know about until somebody Googled it and showed you a picture of him from the animated series, from a white character to a black character, even though, let's face it, very few people have ever even seen the animated series, that's, it's like being mad that there are black dwarves in the upcoming Lord of the Rings. TV series that Amazon's doing. That's a you problem. <laughs> That's you telling on you and you having a problem that you need to work on, not so much a problem with this show. So, shame on you. Star Trek has always been about infinite diversity and infinite combination, and if you can't accept other shades of human on this show, how can you even cope with the fact that Mr. Spock exists? Anyway. Yeah, all in all, 
have really enjoyed this series. I've refrained from talking about it until we got to episode three. Because I liked episode one, but that could be a fluke. I liked episode two, but again, maybe it was just too good to be true. I liked episode three, and I'm hoping to like four and all the ones that follow. I am sure there will be episodes of the show that I don't like because it's a TV show and there's always an episode here, there, yonder that I don't, with very few exceptions on those rare shows that are just amazingly well done, but they, they are few and far between. And yeah, I'm hoping that people give this show a chance. I'm hoping that people give this show the space that it needs to grow and develop and maybe write the course and bring Star Trek back into what it needs to be. That thing that we need now more than ever. Hope. See, this is what I complained about most in my review of the Dune movie that came out. That book is about politics and how people exploit others and abuse the environment and cause all manner of catastrophe for others out of their own greed. And to completely strip that out of the book to make the movie in this time where this could be a very important story where we talk about climate change and what's going on with the world and imperialism and propaganda. We just strip all that out. It makes the story empty and without meaning. And Star Trek Without Hope is just another adventure story. Because Star Trek is more than just hope punk. It's not just here's a bad scenario and how we are going to struggle to triumph over it. Star Trek is hope of we can get over our issues. We can get to the other side. That no problem is truly intractable. That there is a solution out there if we come together and work hard to find it and bring it into the world. That's what Star Trek has always been and what it needs to be. Even when it's silly and they're going back in time to save the whales, it's still fun, entertaining, but more importantly, hopeful. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you enjoy Star Trek Strange New Worlds. It's a great show over on Paramount+. Plus. If you are a Star Trek fan at all, I highly recommend that you check it out. If you're a space opera fan, I really think that they're doing the genre proud. I've rather enjoyed what they're doing. The one critique that I do have of the show, which I probably should have mentioned earlier, its pacing is a little off. It feels a little rushed at times because there's a lot of story that they're trying to put into each episode, but eh, I'm liking the pacing. All right. We've got some things in the works that I don't really want to be talking about right now, so I'm not going to do that. Do make sure that you like and subscribe if you did and want to get more from me about fiction, whether it's my fiction or fictional worlds created by others. There's so much I want to talk about that I can't right now. Check out my new single, Don't Want, which is available by Project Shadow wherever you listen to your music. I really like it. I think it's a fun song for summer. And yeah, until next time, remember, Black Lives Matter, Black Trans Lives Matter, and trans identities are magical. And until next time, may you have the courage to write your dreams into reality. And don't forget to have the fun. Bye.